All right, so uh, are we good? Am I going to make a crazy sound? A couple things I need to address before we get started first. I'm pretty sure that's Brennan's first time ever leading worship, and that's awesome, right? Like, no one would ever known that. So that, that's pretty great. Second uh, thing I have to address is this on my hand. I know if I was sitting in the crowd, I'd be like, I would not pay attention to the entire sermon because I'd be coming up with stories while that fool is wearing a brace. Uh, I was practicing unsafe knife practice uh, Friday, and I put a knife almost all the way through my hand. That was pretty awesome. Uh, but three stitches later, I have a newfound respect for Jesus getting crucified on the cross, so there's a good side of that. Um, there was some laughs in there. Some of y'all were like, ooh, that's kind of... All right, we'll get there, we'll get there, and loosen y'all up, all right. Um, uh, it's always good to be here. Uh, I'm Jacob Lemons. I'm not the regular uh, preacher, so if you're new, I feel like every time a new uh, somebody that's not the regular pastor has to say that, just kind of as a warning label, like, hey, this ain't normal, okay? Uh, this guy doesn't do this um, all the time. And also, for you guests, it gives you an opportunity to come back, right? I want to be able to say, I'm not the normal guy, so if you want to see the normal guy, see what we're all about, come next week, right? So we've kind of trapped you into two weeks uh, by having the guest preach uh, uh, for that week, so that's exciting. Um, and um, so uh, the third thing I need to address is every time I speak, uh, the criticism, I, the feedback I get back almost every time is, man, you talk so fast. So it's been like 10 years now, and I keep hearing that, and I try to slow down. So I'm just going to warn y'all, y'all better keep up, okay? Uh, I'm obviously not slowing down at this point. It's time for y'all to keep up with me, and uh, we're just going to go there. So um, let's go ahead and get started. We're continuing our um, series, uh, Shattered Saviors. And when I first wrote this down, I'm just going to, you know, full confession. I thought it was like Broken Disciples or something, and it was totally off, so we had to change that really quick. Um, but now I know. We're at Shattered Saviors. And um, so if you want to turn to your Bibles, we're in Judges 6. Judges 6. And it's going to be pretty simple today. We're literally just going to walk through uh, most of Judges 6, kind of break it down, and um, uh, talk about it. All right, so here we are in Judges, okay? We've been talking about these um, Judges that are raised, um, and we start off about every chapter starts out like this. Uh, so the very first verse is, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. All right, so, so here we go. All right, so uh, to quote the late, great Ronald Reagan, here we go again, okay? Uh, the, 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 uh, the Israelites have been handed over to another group of bad guys, and things are really bad. And, um, you know, I just imagine that there, I mean, this is, it's for seven years uh, that this has happened. I don't know how, I don't know, I, I can't remember what the, you know, between Deborah and between uh, Gideon, who we're going to talk about, I don't know. But I imagine that there were some people that were still uh, alive that kind of see these cycles. I mean, I imagine that they're not all, they're not everybody's bad, and there's some people that still see these cycles. And uh, the, the best way that I can kind of think about their reactions when they see these things happening is uh, let me just, I'm just going to start off with this, and let me finish this statement after I start this statement, because it's going to sound terrible at first. But I'm just going to tell you, grandparents are the worst. And I don't mean my grandparents, I mean my kids' grandparents, right? Like, and I have just divided the room, and most of us are young, so I'm, I'm, I'm playing to the crowd, right? Because uh, there's some really mad grandparents right now that we're not the worst. Oh, you are. How many times have you sent your kid to your grandparents' house do not let them eat this. And sure, shooting every time, where are they going to eat? That very thing. And uh, some of us relate to that very much. Uh, my parents are in the room, so I'm not going to tell any stories on them. 
But I was talking to this guy the other day. Uh, he was a grandparent, so he was on the other side of this battle. And uh, we were, I was like, dude, come on, man. He's like, no, this, it's just, we get to do it as grandparents, right? So uh, when um, they had kids, they bought this, they, they splurged, they bought this coffee table, right? And it was like the sacred coffee table. You better not put your feet on that. You better not put a drink on that without a coaster. That is the sacred coffee table. And like their whole life, they're terrified of this coffee table, right? Just absolutely terrified. So she drops her kids off one day. Uh, she, they go out on their date. And they do whatever. They come back. She opens up. The kid is on the coffee table, like dancing on the coffee table. She's like, what is this? What is it? We couldn't even touch that coffee table. I have also found out uh, as a parent that if you turn on the light in the car, that you don't die instantly. I always thought that, but grandparent, grandkids can survive it somehow. I don't know what to do. I don't know what happened the last 20 years with the light in the car, uh, but it's the craziest things that change, right? But every once in a while, right, those sweet, innocent, beautiful grandchildren, every once in a while, they push those buttons just right, right? And then you see the wrath. Right, like the parent, the, those parents that you remember, like, Jackson, stop that! And you're like, that's it! That's who raised me! Not those little butterfly people! That's the people that raised me, right? That's them! Right? That had to be how the Israelites were, right? Like they were what they're seeing them sin, they're seeing them sin, all of a sudden God's wrath, they're like, there he is! Alright, there's the, there's the grandparent. Alright, all right. so they're, they're still in there somewhere. So um, that's how I kind of relate this. Um, uh, uh, is that the sacred coffee table and here's God's wrath again. So we've got God's wrath for seven years um, and um, uh, it, it, I, it, that's the best. And the, the, the other story I have is my, uh, you know, if you think grandparents are bad, great-grandparents, okay? They're even worse. Like, there's another level of this. And uh, my, my uh, wife, Jordan, she had just told me before I went and visited my gram. Uh, Jackson was like six months old. I mean, he was little, little. And um, uh, we were just conversation, just, you know, just kind of foreshadowing. She's like, hey, he's not supposed to drink like milkshakes and ice cream yet, just so you know. All right, you know, I ain't going to feed him anything that you haven't personally like handed me and on a list, like here's my checklist, I'm, I'm good. So I take him down to my grandmother's house and she's playing with him. Grand's playing with it. I don't know where it came from. It just magically, a huge McDonald's milkshake came out, and that dude's whoa, 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 just guzzling it, right? And uh, so, you know, all, everybody, every, everybody that's a, a young parent, we have those stories. And I imagine how the, uh, that's how the Israelis uh, look. So um, let's th- kind of take a step back here. And uh, I'm a history guy, okay? I was a history teacher. Now I'm an administrator. So any chance I get to uh, teach history, I want to teach history. Some of y'all right now are like, yes, we get to listen to some history. Some of y'all right now, I'm glad he talks fast, right? And uh, so that's where we're at right now. Um, but uh, we have uh, the Midians, okay? Uh, these guys are uh, kind of bad news. Um, we don't know a lot about them historically. Like when you try to study them uh, with archaeology and stuff, there's not a lot of archaeological evidence that they uh, really existed. Uh, so a lot of people don't think they existed, that they are just... Uh, in the Bible, but they are in the Bible and the Koran. That's our most concrete evidence of the Midianite, or the Midianites. And um, uh, from what we've kind of gathered, we have some pottery and stuff. But it seems like they were very nomadic. All right, so it seems like they were kind of a nomadic tribe. That's why we don't have like some solid like this was a Midian city. This was it right here. Um, we don't really have that. Um, so it seems like they were nomadic. There's some evidence that they even had like a tent tabernacle at some point, kind of like Moses had in the desert. Um, there's pottery everywhere. And a lot of times in the Bible, when it talks about a median, it'll say like an Ethiopian median. So that kind of tells us maybe they were 
running around, uh, marrying, and uh, other people and things like that. And so that's our historically, just looking on a historical lens. We don't know a ton about them, but it seems like they were probably nomadic raiders, okay, running around, um, pillaging, and things like that, um, from what we gathered from the Koran and the Bible, and some small archaeological um, evidence there. But in the Bible, in the Old Testament, they're mentioned several times, okay? I know I start talking too fast when I can't breathe all of a sudden. All right. So throughout uh, the Bible, um, the Midianites are mentioned. First time we meet them uh, was um, Abraham. Okay, Abraham had a son, and I have from a very good source that Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. And in this instant, they had a Midian son. Ben Suggs, the only one that laughed. Jordan, you're right. That was a bad joke. You win. All right. She told me, don't say it. Don't say it. It's bad. But Ben, he's my soul. Yes, thank you, Ben. And he's still laughing. Now, now Rachel's patting him, saying, you poor thing. All right. Um, so um, so we, we made him. Uh, the, the, he runs, um, and they go, and they create a clan. So that's the Midianites. They're the son of Abraham. So they're actually a cousin of um, Israel. All right, so that's where they're at. The next time we meet him is when Moses murders a guy in Egypt. He runs away. He runs into Jethro. And Jethro in the Bible is called the Prince of Midian. So um, that's where we uh, run into him next. And a lot of people believe that this is where the, uh, the worship of Yahweh actually begins. Of course, we believe in Adam and Eve. But if a lot of archaeological, you know, if you're just looking at scope, that's where Yahweh starts to pop up is during that time. Is that like Midians actually. That's why they have the tabernacle tent, things like that. That's Side note, next time we see him, Moses fights him in a war. Um, there's some confusion, and this is kind of what we're talking about. They're, they're kind of intermediates and Moab, 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 something like that. And um, so they're all um, kind of, inter- they use them here and there, and it's all kind of very confusing. And then in Numbers 25, uh, 7 through 9, we have this crazy story. Um, there's a plague amongst the Israeli people, and there's a plague because... Um, the Israelites are sinning with um, pagan women. All right, they're, they're, they're sinning, and this dude brings in a uh, woman, a Midianite woman. All right, he brings her into front of everybody. He brings her in to the camp, and they go into the tent to go sleep together. Okay, in front of everybody. And uh, my boy um, Phineas, Phineas, Phineas. All right, he goes into the tent while they're doing whatever, gets a spear, stabs him through the belly, and kills him. And the God's like, man, you're the man. Like, I don't know how you signed up for that ministry, but whatever. Um, and plus, like, I have these Mount Rushmore in my head of things I want to paint on a nursery wall. And uh, that's one of the stories. Can you imagine walking to a nursery of a new church and you see that's the story that they put on there? I said the cute little rainbow and Noah's Ark and things like that. So um, that's where we went then. So that story... Is the last story until we get to the story that we have today uh, that we're going to be talking about today where Gideon and um, they're running around. And uh, so what we know is that they've been pillaging, stealing, raiding uh, for seven years. Um, so much so, all right, if you read the rest, we're going to skip kind of some things, but if you read the rest, the Israelis are hiding in um, um, caves and tents and they're, they're, just, they're just trying to stay away from these guys. They're completely scared. They're scattered. And uh, that's, that's where our, our story kind of begins, okay? Um, so bad dudes, and by the way, the Koran, when the Koran talks about them, it's, they're bad news there too, okay? So the bad news in the Bible and the Koran. Um, so now let's, let's meet our good guy here, okay? So we're in verse 11 now, so we skip down um, to verse 11. Um, now the angel of the Lord came 
and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Josiah of Abraham. I'm sure somebody knew what that was at some time. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in a wine press to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Uh, sorry, I'm all everywhere. I'm at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with, us, with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the, into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not, do not I send you. All right, so this angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. Right, he's in a wine press hiding. All right, and a lot of, like a lot of the sermons I listened to and a lot of things I read about Gideon, like people are really giving him a lot of heck for uh, being in this wine press, calling him a coward. Uh, I mean, what would you do if there was like a band of clan running around raiding and stuff? I think I would be hiding in a um, you know, somewhere too, trying to do my thing. But they, they give him a lot of things. Um, I, th- I don't think it's a bad plan unless they're looking for wine, then it would be a really bad plan. Um, but I think the big point here is if you're sifting wheat, okay? I don't know how, I've never sifted wheat, but I watched some YouTube videos this week. And uh, like basically you have this, uh, you have a, some kind of tool and you stomp it all and you get it all separated and then you get the rake thing and you throw it up and the wind blows away the bad stuff and you keep the good stuff, right? So if you're in a hole... Where's it going to go? It ain't going nowhere. You're just you're sifting wheat and it's coming all back down, right? So, like, the big point here is things are not the way they're supposed to be, right? Like, he is in a wine press trying to create wheat. And it doesn't work that way. Like, it, it, it's just useless, okay? So, I think um, if, if we were living back in that time, we would just see the ridiculousness of this. Um, whereas today, we're like, this seems like a good strategy. Um, so... Um, so he's, he's sitting there. Um, I don't know if he's a coward necessarily, but he, at the very least, he's scared. At the very worst, he's a scared coward, right? So, that, so that's the guy that we meet. The angel of the Lord comes to him, and uh, he's like, hey, man of valor. And Gideon's like, like, he may be a coward, but he's a very honest and blunt coward, right? Like he, he looks at the angel of the Lord, and what does he say? He says, dude, I've heard these stories about Moses. I've heard these stories about Joshua. But brother, I am in a hole right now, right? Like I'm shifting wheat in a hole. This is well, I don't, you can tell me all about God all you want, but in my current situation right now, I I'm not buying what you're selling, man. I'm not buying what you're selling. It reminds me of uh, in Star Wars, uh, the uh, the original Star Wars. Obi Wan Kenobi's trying to teach Luke. He's got the little laser beam ball thing, and uh, Han Solo kind of interrupts, and he's like, "Look, I've been all across the galaxy." And I, I've, uh, you think that there's one overarching force that controls everything? Yeah, yeah that's a load, man. And Obi-Wan's like, oh, watch this, all right? That, that's kind of the same thing, right? Uh, Gideon's looking at this angel of the Lord, and he's like, I hear you talking, but my current situation, I've been around. I don't, I, I'm not seeing it, brother. I'm not seeing this um, thing. So, so Gideon, so we know that he's at least scared, right? And we know that uh, he is very much doubting any... That, that God is anything all-powerful or all-knowing or anything like that, right? So at the very least, that's where we're at with Gideon. So in, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read this. I'm going to kind of um, talk about this real quick for time's sakes. But Judges 6, uh, 15 through 22, um, 
there's a couple interesting things as, we, as this conversation transpires. First of all, um, I, it's very interesting that every time, um, uh, I don't know if every time, I'm going I'm to say most times, when a uh, person meets an angel of God in the Bible, what's their reaction? They're terrified, right? Like most of them fall flat on their face, and they're scared, and they're scared they're going to die. And um, that, that's any time an angel comes, people are always scared. And like the angel's first thing is almost every time, do not be afraid. You know, I, I imagine the angel gets kind of sick of that. All right, okay, don't be afraid. Let's talk now, finally. Okay, here we go. Um, but Gideon doesn't do that at all, right? Like he, he's just like, yeah, hey, guess what? I don't believe what you're saying, right? Uh, and whatever. Okay, so, that, that, so there's a couple theories behind that is first, maybe Gideon's not as cowardly as we think. Uh, second, probably most likely, uh, is that this angel of God came in human form. So a lot of people believe like this is one of the Old Testament appearances of Jesus because Gideon's not terrified or anything like that. So just a couple of theories out there you can research and decide on your own. But that is what a lot of people believe, that this is actually Jesus talking to Gideon here in the wine press. Um, so when he meets the angel, he sees that. Um, now, first thing the angel calls him is a man of valor. Right, and this is kind of the 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 terminology here is very much a military kind of deal. Like you're a great warrior, a great general. There's different translations and different, uh, um, but it's very much kind of tied to a military guy. Well, Gideon, he's like, dude, man of valor. Where's he at? Right? Where, where's this guy? A man of valor don't make any sense. I am in the weakest clan. All right, his dad was actually the uh, he kept the the temple of Baal. Like, he kept it clean and things like that. So, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if Gideon had a lot to do with Yahweh, but he kept the temple of Baal. And then um, he's like, and not only am I part of the weakest clan, I'm the weakest among that clan. So I don't know who you're talking about, man. All right? This is, you're, you're talking crazy town right here. And um, so, uh, so Gideon, being the, the blunt person that he is, or he seems to be, he's like, okay, so... I'm in a wine press doing wheat. I'm the, in the weakest clan, and I'm the weakest person in the clan, so you're going to have to give me something, brother. Right? Because like, nothing that you're saying, nothing that you're laying down, I'm not picking up. All right? I, I need something more than you just talking to me here. So uh, what does he do? He goes and he makes a, a meal. And I tried every way possible to think there's got to be some significance with this meal. I couldn't find anything. Maybe somebody better than me can find. But basically what I figured out is that this is a gourmet meal. He makes a really nice meal for this guy. All right, this would have been kind of the, what you bring to the, the biggest guest or the nicest. This is a gourmet meal. And he brings it to him, and he says, I need a sign. I'm going to make you a meal. I'm going to bring it back to you. Can you give me a sign? And the angel's like, yeah, sure, we can do that. So Gideon brings the meal. He sets it on there. He's like, where's your sign? And the, the angel of the Lord, uh, he looks at the meal, he does some kind of like wicked, like fire David Copperfield thing, and poof, and he's gone. Right? The meal's gone. The angel's gone. And uh, Gideon's like, oh, my gosh, I've seen the face of goodness. Now he gets to the scared part that we were talking about earlier. Uh, this is the first time he's like, oh, I'm scared now. I just saw the face of God. I'm going to die. And then the angel of the Lord talks to him and says, you're not going to die. We have to have this conversation with everybody else here. This is what we're going to do. You are the man for the job. Okay? You're going to lead Israel. You are the redeemer. You're the new judge, Gideon. And Gideon's like, all right, man. Maybe. Okay. I, I think I'm, 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 I'm somewhat sold here. All right? So uh, we're going to do something a little bit different here. Um, there is a big chunk of verses here, right? We got 25 through 40, and uh, I've been talking really fast at y'all for a while, apparently, according to other people. I don't 
agree. Um, but um, uh, we have a lot of verses here. And the rest of the story, it just kind of plays out all right, in, into a uh, story. And I don't want to break it down like we just did. Um, so I, I want, I want you all to hear the, uh, the, in its entirety. So uh, Jordan's going to come up and read it to you. So I'm not doing it at a super fast pace. And, uh, and you can listen to somebody else for a second. And then uh, we'll, we'll finish. Got it. All right, verse 23. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it still stands in Orpha, which belongs to the Abyssalites. That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold there. Uh, here with stones laid in due order then take the second bowl and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the asherah that you shall cut down so Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day he did it by night verse 28 when the men of the town rose early in the morning behold the altar of Baal was broken down and the asherah beside it was cut down and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built and they said to one another who has done this thing and after they had searched and inquired they said Gideon the son of Joash has done this thing then the men of the town said to Joash bring out your son that he may die for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the asherah beside it but Joash said to all who stood against him will you contend for Baal or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jeroboam, that is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he broke down his altar. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord closed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abyssalites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they all went up to meet them. Can't turn the page. Verse 36, Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung out enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl of water. Then Gideon said to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. Oh, okay, good. All right. So, um, first question. So, the first question that we need to address in all this, all right, he's already had two miracles, right? Like, he, he had the David Copperfield mill explosion thing, all right? And then he goes and he tears down the uh, temples or the, the shrines to the other god and he doesn't die, all right? Um, so, he's already had, you know, God's been faithful twice already. And then he's like, do this little weird fleece thing. All right. And then again, I thought, I thought I could find some kind of symbolism with the fleece, and it may be out there, but I couldn't find it. And uh, 
doesn't, it just, that's what he, I don't know why that's what he chose, I don't know. And uh, then it happens, and he's like, ah, just one more, man, just one more, you know. And uh, so, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that like in Deuteronomy, it explicitly says, do not test your Lord your God. Right? Jesus quotes it when he's out in the wilderness. He's like, hey, you're not, we're not supposed to test the Lord. That was one of the temptations that Satan gives Jesus. So what the heck is happening here? Uh, I, think, I feel like we need to kind of address that before we get into some application here. Uh, and uh, so I kind of have four things that have kind of maybe explained it away here. Um, and the first one, so first uh, point is, at the end of the day, God does what God does. And I know that sounds like a little bit of a cop-out, you know, well, God's Almighty, and we're just going to, I'm not going to end there, but uh, it's a little bit of a cop-out. But at the end of the day, God calls the dumb weird, useless, unsuspecting, and whatever else, and that makes no sense at all. At the end of the day, He is sovereign, and um, it just kind of is what it is. He just, we, we don't know why God worked that way. We don't know why God, you know, um, you know, gets mad at Job when, you know, all these bad things have happened to Job. And Job kind of like, hey, he kind of has a pity party. And God's like, boom, were you there when I created? Were you, oh, you're, oh my bad, man, you know. Um, he does this to Moses a couple times. Um, he, wasn't, he doesn't let Moses in the promised land um, because it's, you know, something similar. So we don't know why. At the end of the day, God is God and God does what he does. And um, it, it's hard for us to accept that sometimes. We want a God's playbook, right? We want God saying, we've got to do one, two, three, four, and then God's going to do five. If we do one, two, three, then God's going to do this. He, that ain't how he works. God does what God does, all right? Um, so there's one. Uh, second time, or second point, I think that we can look at this story, is um, God oftentimes meets us where we are, okay? Obviously, Gideon was not a man of faith, or at least a lot of it, right? Like, I mean, is there any question about that in the book, in the story? He is questioning everything that's going on here. So I think in some ways, God just meets Gideon where he's at. He picked Gideon. We don't know why. It just is what it is, right? Uh, he picks Gideon, and then he meets him where he's at. He wants him to fulfill this purpose, and Gideon has zero faith. So God has to do whatever it takes to get him to do that. So I think there's some of that, um, that uh, Gideon just, he, he needed... He needed some of these things to see, um, and God was meeting him exactly where he's at. Um, third, I think sometimes we have a tendency to overanalyze the signs that God gives us, right? Like, I think there's a lot of times, I mean, first of all, the sign, the, the biggest sign, you know, we kind of bash Gideon a lot, right? Because he's asking for all these signs, and then we're like, well, Gideon, come on, man. You know, what, what are you doing? You have all these things and you're still um, doing that, but yet Gideon didn't have a Bible to read, right? Like, think about the time that he was in. He couldn't read uh, everything that he knew. It was just stories that were told. He didn't have a Bible to read like we do. Like, God's biggest sign, I want to kind of make this clear, God's biggest sign to us today is the Bible, right? So, like, if you're looking for a sign from God and you're not reading the Bible Here's your son, right? Like, like it's, it's going. He's not. He just doesn't. He, he he may work like that. Okay, we're going to talk about some things. But at the end of the day, the biggest sign that you have from God right now is the Bible. All right, um, and um, and then sometimes God gives us signs and we overanalyze and we explain it. Well, and I think Gideon kind of was doing that here. Oh, well, the fleece was it, but I didn't think about maybe that sucked up all the water. That's what happened. So I can't really trust this sign because I guess it could have. So let's do it in reverse. 
then I know, God. If you just do it this time, I know, right? Like, um, so, and we do that. Um, when my grandmother died, when my gram died, um, uh, you know, it, she had uh, lung cancer, and so it was a very slow process, and uh, so it was something that I was kind of expecting, and um, Jackson was, I think, two or almost three or something, so he's very young, so um, in, in my head, when I was going to tell him that she died, you know, I was, had all these scenarios going through my head, and I didn't know what I was going to say, um, and uh, so the, the morning that she died, I got Jackson, and I pulled him aside, and I said, hey, Jackson, hey, man, you know, you remember Graham, and uh, we were talking, and he looks up at me, like, before I even really got into it, I was like, hey, Graham died, and he looks at me, and he goes, oh, she just went home. Now, I was like, oh, yeah, that's so sweet. <laughs> Tears, right? Like, like, he has this little toy, and I remember, like, I didn't want to cry in front of him. I don't know why, um, but he had the toy, and I, like, grabbed it and rubbed my face with it because I started crying like crazy, you know? And um, so later, later after uh, I talked to Jackson and everything like that, I told Jordan I want to go on a walk uh, just by myself and process things. That's how I process things. I want to walk, and uh, so I go on a walk, and I remember being out there, and I remember thinking, God, just give me a sign, right? Like that Graham's okay. Let's, I just need something, like make that tree catch on fire, you know, whatever it was, right? Like I wanted a sign from God, and I remember playing as day, uh, Holy Spirit, whatever. I remember playing as day. And it's like, you moron. I just got a two-year-old tell you that she was home, right? Like, what, how stupid are you, man? Like, like that, there's your son, a two-year-old who has no clue, uh, just told you that she was home. Now, maybe it was a coincidence. I don't know. We can explain it all day. But uh, I, I feel very convicted that that was my sign that I needed, right? Like, like, and I overanalyzed and overexplained it. Oh, he just accidentally said blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, he could barely talk at the time, and he said that, you know. So um, I think sometimes we overanalyze uh, the signs that God's given us, especially uh, the Bible. Um, and the fourth thing um, that that I kind of want to want to say is a lot of people. I hear a lot of people say, "Well, if God would just give me a sign, then I would ABC, right? I just need a blah 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 blah." Or if God would just go on CNN, that everybody would believe Him. Well, that's obviously not true, right? Like this whole book of Judges is God gives a sign, Israel sins. God gives a sign, Israel sent, right? Like that obviously did work. Did it work for Gideon? No, all these signs didn't work for Gideon. He needed another one, he needed another one. So that's obviously, um, doesn't seem to be true that uh, if God would just give us a big sign that we would all believe in God. Um, but I, I think sometimes we, um, like I said, we, we, we miss the sign. We, we, we completely miss the signs. Now, one of the biggest one of the biggest decisions of my life, all right, and some of y'all have heard this story before, but one of the biggest decisions of my life is uh, growing up from about five years old to however, my number one thing in life was playing baseball, right? I love baseball. I could tell you players in the minor leagues. I could tell you, you know, all the, I mean, I absolutely loved baseball. Everything I did was surrounded around baseball, Okay, I wanted to go to college and play in college. I wanted to play baseball as long as I possibly could. Okay, so I get to college. I get to go to Carson Newman. I get to walk on there. I always, I always joke. I was, I was on the team, but did I play? No, but I got a cool hat from it, right? Like, and uh, but I loved it, right? I loved being out there and practicing, and I loved being on the team. And uh, but at some point, college, all that got kind of miserable for me. Okay, at some point. Um, in college, I was in, 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 in a uh, kind of, 
I don't know if I was in a full-fledged depression, but I was not excited uh, to go do anything in life. And uh, uh, baseball had become a burden. All right, I had some uh, relationships that ended bad, and things were kind of not good for me um, at that time. I was at a pretty low point. And, uh, and, I, and I, I had always believed in God. It wasn't that I was you know, just out there a non-believer or anything like that. I always believe in God. Uh, but I was very much kind of on the, oh, well, when it's convenient, I'll do it. When it's not convenient, I'll step over here. Very much on the fence um, at that point in my life. And, um, but so I got to this point, you know, I try to do things like not cuss and try to, you know, try to do all these things that, uh, that a Christian's supposed to do. And uh, obviously I wasn't doing a great job at those things. But um, life had kind of collapsed on me. And I remember thinking, God, I've really tried this thing, man. Right? Like I've tried to be a good human. All right, I've tried, I've, I want to be a good human, uh, but I'm miserable. Why am I so miserable? Why am I trying to do all this stuff? Why are you making me miserable? Why am I in a pit? Right? Why are the Midianites out there raiding all this stuff? That's where I was. I was in the, the pit of a pity party, right? Pity party bin. That was a joke. Come on, man. All right. I didn't even get bent on that one. Um, so so I, I was in a bad spot. And uh, I remember I, walk, I went on a walk. All right, this seems, you know, I went on a walk and uh, by myself out in the wilderness um, of Cherokee Lake. Um, and um, I, remember, like, I remember vocalizing, praying out loud, God, what do you want me to do with my life? All right, what, what is it that you want? I've tried all this. I've tried to do it my way, and it sucks. Let me tell you, what do I need to do? Okay, and uh, very clearly, God was like, yo, read your Bible. Let's start there. That would be a... One place to start. All right. So, I mean, I didn't know how to read my Bible. I kind of skimmed through it. So, I, naturally, I did the, uh, uh, the thing that most people do. Hey, here we go. Let's start here, right? Like, why not? I didn't know where to start. And uh, so, um, wherever I, I ended up landing, where Jesus calls the disciples, all right, where he calls the fishermen, all right? So, uh, you think about these fishermen, all right? They, they've, they've spent their whole lives probably... I imagine that fishing was somewhat similar back then. You had your fishing holes, you had your fishing spots, and I imagine they went to those fishing spots at, you know, every couple days, if not every day. They were very much in a comfort zone, right? They loved, they, 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 maybe they didn't love it, they were at least bored, they at least knew what they were doing, and it was very comforting. And Jesus is on the shore, and what does he say? Come follow me. And those fools drop their nets, and they follow Jesus, right? Like, if that wasn't an obvious sign, I don't know, right? Like, I asked God, what do you want me to do? So I'm like, oh, that's, that's weird. All right, that's a very strange ordeal there. Okay, so I'm like, whatever. Um, it's, not, it's not that weird. Well, for whatever reason, okay, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit. I don't know if somebody said something. I can't remember. But uh, if you go to Carson Newman, they have something called Spots Trips. Okay, so they have uh, spots trips, and um, uh, when, when I read that verse, it was very clear to me that God wanted me to quit baseball. Okay, he, he, that was my comfort zone. That was my pit. That was my fishing. That, that was it. God wants me to quit baseball, and he wants me to go on a spots mission trip. And I, like I said, I can't tell you. It wasn't, it wasn't a, Jacob, join the spots mission. You know, it wasn't that, right? This is the Holy Spirit convention. Uh, conviction or whatever and uh, so that morning I woke up so you know I did that that night the next morning I woke up and uh, I was like well you know it's probably too late to sign up for the spots mission trip so ah, I won't do it right 
Uh, and for whatever reason that morning, I checked my Carson Newman email. And I was that guy, all right, I was that guy that I'd get emails saying that I need to clear out my emails. I'm talking about like, you know, 15,000 emails. Uh, if you look at my text messages right now, there's at least 200. Okay, I am that guy. Some of y'all like... OCD people are like freaking out just me talking about it like you're just like got some sweat going on right now but I'm that guy you want, if you want to if you want to work on your stress level look at my phone and emails I'm that guy right so I got thousands thousands of emails and um, so for whatever reason I decided to check my email I pop up first one last day to sign up for a spots mission trip that's just a coincidence. That's no, no way, right? Like, they can't, that, that, what are the chances? What? No, no, no. So I go from that email, all right, kind of back in my head, what God wants me to do. I go from that email, um, I go into class, and I'm like, that can't be real, you know, whatever. You know, when am I even going to get the chance to go over there and sign up for it? You know, like, it's today's last day. I got class, and Lord knows I'm not an A-plus student. I have to go to class. Uh, D's get degrees. And um, so um, I'm sitting there in class, and... Uh, uh, somebody comes up to me, hey, you'd be interested in signing up on a spots mission trip? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, where are you going? Oh, man, I'm going to Charlotte, North Carolina. That sounds boring as heck. Whatever. All right, Charlotte. No, I ain't doing Charlotte. All right, so I go to the next class. All right, the future wife of that guy comes up to me. Hey, you interested in going on a spot mission trip? <sighs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't have any money. I can't do it because I don't have any money. I can't, I can't do it because I don't have any money, and I can't pay for the spot mission trip. Uh, baseball doesn't pay any money. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't do it. And uh, she looks at me, and she says, Jacob, you will meet your soulmate if you go on this trip. Now you're full of crap. All right, now get out of here, all right? So I go to the next class. My new excuse is uh, I, I don't have any money to pay for the spots mission trip. Can't do it. Can't sign up today. I don't have any money. And um, so um, I go to that class. I leave that class. And I, as soon as I leave the class, my phone rings, right? I pick up my phone. I'm like, hey, hello. And it's my boss from the Boys and Girls Club where I worked the previous summer. Okay? And she said, listen, a spot just opened up. I can have you a job tomorrow. You can start tomorrow and get a paycheck with money. <laughs> you know, what do you do? Like, oh, God. This guy, I, listen, I am a pestilent. I don't like it. Uh. So I'm like, okay, it's pretty obvious at this point what I need to do, right? And uh, so I go, down, uh, I go down. I have my last baseball practice. I literally leave that phone call. I go and I have my last baseball practice, knowing dang well it was my last baseball practice. Um, and uh, so I go do that. I go home. Uh, I tell my parents. They weren't stoked about it. They supported me. I'm not saying they weren't supportive, but they weren't stoked about it. Uh, and um, so I go the next day. I go to the baseball coach, and I quit baseball. And uh, I go to these spots, mission trips. And I want to do something crazy, right? Like Charlotte, North Carolina was like the lamest thing ever and uh, so I'm like I ain't going to I'm going to go to there they had like I think they had Mexico they had some other kind of uh, other out there places and I'm like I want to do this 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 and I go um, and um, when I look at the dates my brother was a senior that year and he was in the senior play and uh, I wouldn't have been able to go to a senior play if I went to one of these crazy ones so 
the only one that I could go to, I could watch the senior play, and then I could drive overnight and make the mission trip. So that was the plan. So I go to Charlotte, North Carolina, right? And um, so I'm like, ah, that's boring as heck. What, what am I going to do in Charlotte? Uh, so I go to Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, um, when, when we get to Charlotte, uh, we were doing it. Like, it, was a, it was like this big church. And like they were like super rich people. Like, like they, it was like a disciple now, so we like got to stay at their house. And I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, this is the nicest house I've ever been in. And, um, um, but uh, during that trip, all right, a band came in named Seed Company. We have some alumni Seed Company people came in. And uh, the lead singer of Seed Company was Smoking Hot. All right, and uh, it was uh, Jordan. So uh, I met Jordan, my wife, uh, on, the, uh, on this mission trip. Okay, and uh, so I have no doubt, right? Like, there was no doubt what um, God was calling me to do, right? And it's been an adventure ever since, right? Like, uh, nothing made sense at the time. I very much relate to Gideon. I was in a pit. I was self-pity. I was pitiful. My, and think about how arrogant is that, right? How arrogant is it to think that you are somehow such a bad screw-up that you can mess up God's plan? That's arrogance, Right? You, you are not that much of a screw-up. I thought I was. Right, I didn't think I could do these things. And at the end of the day, once I gave my life to Christ, God's plan has... I've never regretted quitting the one thing that I loved most. Right? Like, it, it, it was amazing. It was awesome. And um, so, I'm here to tell you today, or ask you, you know, what's your pit? Are you crying out for self-pity, for attention, for whatever reason? Are you, uh, or are you crying out to the creator of the universe that controls all your life, controls your destiny? Are you, which, which, what are you crying out for? Are you looking for every excuse to not to do the, the very hard things? Now listen, it was hard to quit baseball. Okay? It made a lot of people upset. All right? It made a lot of people... It, I, there were some relationships that kind of ended there. Okay, there's, it is not an easy decision. Following Christ isn't rainbows and butterflies. All right? It is a very tough decision. It's hard. But at the end of the day, you're never going to regret. So what is that thing that's tugging on your heart right now? Everybody, I, I'm sure some, somebody in here has got that thing that's tugging on your heart that you know that you need to do this. That God has given you the signs to do. But you want to stay in your pit. Right? Because you're scared of the Midianites. You're scared of whatever's going to go out there, whatever that risk that you're going to take. What is it? Okay? Um, and like I said, people are going to be upset. People are going to make fun of you. Um, but I can personally tell you, God knows exactly what He's doing. All right? In the movie Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, me and Brent were talking about All right? So kind of, if you haven't seen that movie, I'm going to kind of catch up, and it's going to sound really weird because it is. Um, but uh, So there's this witch. All, all, all good stories start out with a witch. Um, there's this witch, and uh, she's trying to uh, uh, capture this kid who has a special power that can travel the multiverse. All right, and if you're tracking with me, um, some of y'all are like, I'm out. All right, so, uh, so, but, um, so she's, she, she doesn't know how to travel the multiverse. She's got this power, but she doesn't know how to control it, and the witch is trying to get it because she wants to get her kids that she created, but they disappeared. Anyways, we won't get that detailed into it. All right, um, so, so the kid, uh, she opens up dimensions to other uh, verse, uh, multiverses, right? And um, so the first time she opens it, it sends her parents into a, like, she don't know where, some other dimension somewhere, 
Right? So basically, she's trying to uh, find her parents. She's trying to go through the other um, um, multiverses to find her parents. And uh, she runs across this witch, and this witch is chasing her. And uh, so we get to the end of the movie. Sorry to kind of spool some of it. Um, but um, So we get to the end of the movie, um, and uh, Doctor Strange gets her, and, he's like, and, he, and he's, he, he tells her, he says, I've come to tell you to trust yourself. Every time you've opened up a portal... You took us to exactly where we needed to go. America Chavez's response is, what about the first time? And Dr. Strange says, even that led you to where you're going to go, kick that witch's booty. May have not said booty there. but So, so the only thing that we need to change for us, right? So the only thing that we need to change for us in our Christian walk is, I've come to tell you today, trust in your God. Every time a God, every time a door is open, every time you've had an opportunity it's led you to exactly where you are today. Even the bad doors, even the bad portals, it's led you to where you can kick whatever it is you need to kick but today. So um, go out there, conquer it. I know this is like a coaching pep talk and I've done the, um, do that, but follow that call. Uh, you will promise you as, as a witness, as the star witness, I can promise you that you will never regret um, answering that call that God has given, been giving you um, this entire time. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you that you uh, that you do want a relationship with us. Um, that you call the um, even sinners like me um, to fulfill a purpose, to get up in front of people, and um, to talk about you, and to um, get people who aren't completely comfortable. Those are the ones that you use, uh, the ones that don't think they can do it because they know that at the end of the day they have to rely on you. And I pray that everybody in this room. Um, finds a time to where they rely on you and they follow your plan and they, the, that you have always been in control of every door that's open, every opportunity uh, that they've had that that's led them to this moment today, uh, this day to glorify you, to uh, complete your mission and to tell your story and uh, to fulfill their purpose. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen.